Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, January 4th. Today on the show, Alabama beat Notre Dame and Ohio State beat Clemson to advance to the national championship game. Derrick Henry shatters all types of records, but we begin with the Titans going to the playoffs. Complete insanity mixed with some utter depression and eventually some total jubilation sprinkled on top. Call it whatever you want, the Titans' heartburn-inducing 41-38 win over Houston in the season finale was as thoroughly entertaining as a football game can get. Unless you're a defensive coordinator, if you've got one of those. It was record-setting, championship-clinching, and perfectly maddening. Sunday's win encapsulated the entire 2020 Tennessee Titans into one 60-minute performance. Even the game-winning play as time expired elicited vocal gasps from my house as a practice squad kicker banked in a field goal as the clock struck zero. The Titans jumped out to an early lead and totally dominated the first half behind, shockingly, the running of Derrick Henry. Tennessee had a 24-9 lead early in the second half and a 31-15 lead with just four minutes to go in the third quarter. But Deshaun Watson just kept coming, and the Tennessee Titans defense just kept giving up big plays. The absurd final quarter involved four consecutive scoring drives between the two division rivals, including three scores in the final two minutes. The Titans took the lead on one of many Ryan Tannehill keepers with a minute 47 left to go in the game. The Texans then proceeded to tie the game on a field goal a minute and a half later. Not to be outdone, Tannehill connected with A.J. Brown on a 52-yard bomb against the dumbest coverage I've ever seen to set up the game-winning kick. It was big-time playmaking from both offenses, and we will obviously get to Henry's record-setting rushing performance in a minute, but it also was all of the bad things, too. Watson makes a lot of defenses look bad, but this was a particularly awful performance from the particularly awful Titans defense, considering the big second-half lead and what was at stake. The Texans scored on eight consecutive possessions to end the game. They only had 10 total, and while the Titans exploded, uncharacteristically, for four sacks— all of the other concerns swirling around the Titans' defense entering the postseason were front and center on Sunday. No, Tannehill, Brown, and Henry made big play after big play to grit their way to their first AFC South Division Championship since 2008, and will get to host the Baltimore Ravens next weekend in the first round of the playoffs. It's the Titans' third trip to the postseason in four years, and the ninth trip overall, and because, of course, they're playing the Red Hot Ravens who are on a five-game winning streak. Of the Titans' nine trips to the playoffs, this will be the fifth time that they will face their nemesis from Baltimore. The Titans had clinched a playoff spot before the game had kicked off, but had to win the game to win the division. And Tennessee was able to finish in the red zone with touchdowns and made one more play than Watson. And like so many other times this season, they got the job done. The 11-5 record is the best for the team since 2008, and the 491 points is the most in Titans history by a mile. It was the fifth time Tennessee scored at least 40 points this year and the sixth time in the last seven games that they scored at least 30. This is who the Titans are entering the playoffs, an elite offensive team with tremendous balance and the best peer runner on planet Earth having to carry a porous defense that has major questions on every level and in every single situation. They've lived on the edge this year and found ways to win, finishing 7-2 and two in one-score games. However, it's also why the Ravens have opened as a three-point favorite on the road next weekend. The two bitter rivals will kick off at noon central time on Sunday, and no matter what happens next weekend, I cannot imagine it will be boring. Now, about that performance by Henry. 
In the most important game of the season, Henry carried the ball a career-high 34 times for a career-high 250 yards and two touchdowns. He became just the eighth player in NFL history to rush for 2,000 yards, and he broke Chris Johnson's franchise rushing record by finishing with 2,027 yards and for good measure led the NFL with 378 carries and 17 touchdowns as well. It was the fifth best rushing performance in NFL single season history. The only names ahead of Derrick Henry are Eric Dickerson, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Lewis, and Barry Sanders. It was his fifth career 200-yard game, only one behind the all-time NFL record of six owned by Peterson and O.J. Simpson. Henry's the first player since LaDainian Tomlinson in 06 and 07 to lead the NFL in rushing in back-to-back seasons. Tennessee is now the only franchise that can claim two members of the 2K club, and along with Earl Campbell's 1,900-yard season in 1980, the Oilers-Titans franchise now owns three of the top nine single rushing seasons in NFL history. Frankly, I'm not really sure what else there is to say other than the King took his rightful place on the NFL rushing throne forever on Sunday. And what's crazy is that Henry is just 26 years old and really has only been a starter in the NFL for two and a half seasons. And yet his name is already etched forever next to the likes of Peterson, Tomlinson, Simpson, Sanders, Brown, Campbell, and Dickerson. He is America's all-time leading high school rusher. He won the Heisman Trophy in the National Championship in college and now is doing things only a select few in history have ever accomplished at the highest professional level. Now, the only thing you really need to say about Derrick Henry this year is what a spectacular performance. Alabama and Ohio State advanced to college football's final game on New Year's Day to set up the first meeting between the two historic programs in a national championship game. North versus South, Big Ten versus SEC. This matchup has all of the storylines and inner workings fans could ever ask for in a national championship game, and it feels like a legitimately excellent and worthy title bout. And let's be honest, it's not Alabama and Clemson again. Alabama did all the things we expected in their 31-14 win over Notre Dame. Najee Harris and the offensive line were excellent. Mac Jones was totally under control the entire game. And Devontae Smith glided through the Irish secondary for most of the game, scoring three times. The Irish were outmatched from a talent standpoint and don't have a transcendent quarterback to make up for those deficiencies. So as expected, the tide rolled. And defensively, they were even better than expected. Entering the fourth quarter, Alabama had allowed just 195 yards of offense and seven points. It was 31-7 entering the final minute before the Irish snuck in the backdoor cover, much to Vegas' delight. Saban didn't really look like he was pressing the issue for the entire second half, content to sit on an Irish team that never really looked capable of mounting any sort of challenge. It is Alabama's fifth championship game appearance during the seven-year history of the playoff era and Saban's eighth appearance in the title game as the head coach at Alabama. The Tide opens as a seven-and-a-half point favorite over the Buckeyes, who come into the title game with supreme confidence after playing what was easily the best game of their season. Justin Fields showed the world why he's a premier draft prospect, throwing for 385 yards and as many touchdowns, six, as incompletions, while also battling through very obvious pain. It was a performance for the ages, one fans will never forget, and all I have to say is I want one of whatever they gave him at halftime because the dude was clearly hurting. The Buckeyes ran for 254 yards against Clemson after rushing for 399 yards in the Big Ten title game two weeks ago. This offensive line is playing its best football and totally dominated the semifinal. And it's what gives Ohio State a very good chance to score enough points to beat Alabama. 
Trey Sermon rushed 31 times for 193 yards and has compiled almost 600 yards from scrimmage in his last two games. Let me repeat that. Trey Sermon has almost 600 yards from scrimmage in two games. And Ohio State was missing 16 players. The bottom line is we all knew that Ohio State had the same type of elite weaponry and balance that Alabama has on offense, but we hadn't really seen its full potential yet this season. Well, it all unfolded in all of its glory on Friday evening, embarrassing the Tigers' secondary from the first snap. Ryan Day called a brilliant game, and Brent Venables' defense couldn't even get lined up correctly. The win was the first playoff win for Ohio State since claiming the national title in the first year of the playoff back in 2014, where they also had to go through Saban in Alabama. There was lots of complaining about the Big Ten, the schedule, and that the Buckeyes were fresher. I guess I understand the wear and tear argument, but it also had nothing to do with Clemson giving up a 50-burger. Ohio State was just better, and busted coverages have nothing to do with freshness. You could call it rest versus rhythm. It goes both directions for both teams, and it had nothing to do with the fact that Ohio State was clearly better than Clemson. The argument against Ohio State being in the playoff because of the number of games they played was always just a cover-up for the fact that everyone knew that they were one of the four best teams, and they showed us exactly why on Friday night. Fields is a superstar, on par with any of Alabama's studs, and his supporting cast is almost as good. He is one of the only things that keeps Nick Saban up at night. If both teams play the way they did on New Year's Day in the national title game, well, we are all in for an epic performance on January 11th when these two get together in the natty. Right now, I'll take Ohio State plus the 7.5 with Bama to win outright. And per usual, go overtime. All right, everybody, take a deep breath. The Titans have won the division, and they are in the playoffs, and we've got a whole week to break down the matchup with the Ravens. Cannot wait for next weekend in the NFL. Thank you guys all for listening. Keep it tuned right here to 440 Sports, of course. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Monday, January 4th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.